Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. How is it? it? Is it as good as people tell me it is? It's it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's Rockstar, isn't it? That's the yeah, yeah. Grand Theft people. There are the, there are some points where the game kind of slows down. Some of it's a bit dull when you're just riding a fucking horse for like twenty minutes. <laughs> I tried the new Zelda at my cousin's, and it's just like, you could just ride around on these uh, horses if you want to, mm-hmm. explore as long as you want. It's been a while since I've had a game that I was playing. I've been doing a lot of Fortnite on my phone. Oh, nice. Yeah, I don't have a system. I mean, I got uh, a, an old 360 and an old Super Nintendo, if you ever want to come hang after this. We'll <laughs> knock out some Zelda. Nice. We'll play some Mario Kart. Uh, you got to get an Xbox One. What made you pick Xbox over PlayStation? Uh, Gears of War. Okay. I, uh, the Xbox 360, I started playing the original Gears of War, and I've played every game since. Yeah. When I got the 360 a few years ago, Funk actually gave me a handful of his games, so I'll play those sometimes, but I, he also recommended buying WWE 13, because you can relive like a lot of the Attitude stuff. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Like I, you know what? I, I can't remember if I've played that one. It's okay. There's a lot of wrestling. Do you have a favorite pro wrestling video game over the years? A good uh, era? Uh, the SmackDown. PlayStation One. I actually just looked it up, Tim, and the week before the first episode of this podcast came out was the week that you and I went out to a Federa with Zach Funk because I looked and um, Drake views had come out. I remember I had to subscribe to iTunes for a free ninety-day program so that way we could listen to it on the drive (laughs) out there. there. (laughs) You were like, "We got to listen to it." Just came out today. Oh yeah. And today is actually National Scrapple Day. And we yeah, both it was just hilarious. Scrapple while we were out there together. But one of my first out-of-town gigs, one of my first times getting to see you close out a show, and we had Harry Gilliland, we had Molly Shero, and Zach Funk. Uh, we did a, it was my first fire hall show. Um, and a nice chance to get to do a little road trip with some local comics and, and get to hang out for a few days. That trip was a ton of fun. You and I dominated at Beer Pong. That was great. Embarrassed all of Zach's sister's friends. I did. I did have a very good time <laughs> beating people in Central PA at beer pong. They didn't. They didn't know what was coming. And how could they? <laughs> who, who could have warned them? Consummate professional showed up to <laughs> run the table. And I know you laughed a lot at us, but now we're here to make you cry. <laughs> Going to embarrass you in front of your friends. But I, I respect what you did that day because you'll see a lot of shows like that where before the headliner goes on, before the last comic of the night is up, they'll want to do the raffles. They'll want to do the giveaways. Mm-hmm. And you were very quick to tell the woman who was running, it, he goes, why don't we hold off, keep the people you know, in their seats, paying attention. I'm going to go ahead and take all the jello shots that you have left. I'm going to take them up on stage and I'll get those sold for you. And then we'll deal with the raffle stuff after this is done. Mm-hmm. How often have you been on shows where those little details can derail somebody's performance or their opportunity to do well? Uh, it's been a few times. Actually, I uh, got that mindset from Chuck Krieger, who does a lot of the, he puts together a lot of like fire hall and like benefit shows. And uh, <clears throat> he's the one that taught me, you know, don't let them do that. Don't let them derail the show because it, not only does it like people will leave, after the raffle has been decided. Right. But, you know, you have that change of emotion. You have that shift where people are like, oh, this is what's happening now. And then the headliner, like whoever's closing, is going to have to spend 10 or 15 minutes 
up front of their set, getting people back into comedy is happening right. now. And so it can be an uphill battle if you if you let them get away with. Yeah, why create extra work? You know, for your mm-hmm. head, you want especially the person closing the show to have the best opportunity to to do the as well as they can because they have to do the longest amount of time. Mm-hmm. You've been producing shows recently. I was lucky enough to catch the last edition of Loaded Deck on your birthday weekend when you did it at Hambones. You've got one coming up this Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the format for that game. Uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I actually, I'm I'm a big fan of drinking games. We were talking about beer pong. Uh, I know I'm a little bit too old to still be into them, but never. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. So I came up with a show where the format is that it is comics playing a drinking game on stage, and all of the like challenges or whatever are based around different like stand up things, except for Power Hour. That's just a Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to just booze. Somebody just has to drink a shot of beer a minute until someone else gets the card. Until the next one gets drawn. Which I think Derek on the birthday show, just most of the show, had the power hour, (laughs) (laughs) which is a lot of fun. But that's the way drinking games work. It it always ends up like odds are stacked against one person. Mm -hmm. Or when you have the opportunity, like screw the dealer, that sort of stuff, where you have to pick an enemy. You got to pick one player to, to really kind of poke at. Who do you have on this edition of the show? Uh, well, the, the lineup, I haven't really even like released a lineup because the, the with the Funniest Person in Pittsburgh contest, things are getting shifted around. Oh, sure. If people advance, it's going to be the semifinals the same day. Um, Max was going to do it. He moved out of town. So he did. The yeah. lineup's been shifted. Uh, right now, uh, Holly Price is doing it. Awesome. Marcus yeah. Cox, uh, Amanda Averill, and Alex Homiak, which... Those two may change tonight. <laughs> sure, depending on because I, I believe they're both on the con- in the contest tonight. Yeah, you and I are competing at eight o'clock. They had the first round of edition uh, last night and the, or last week, and this upcoming show when this podcast has come out will be the semifinals. But the Burning Bridges Comedy Club at Hambones has been a really nice addition for the last few months. Just had Ian McIntosh on the program last week, who was their resident last month. Osha Dwyer is this coming month, and then Alex Homiak will be for December. But it's oh, nice. nice. I, didn't, see, I didn't heard about Alex. It's nice to have John and Derek kind of investing in people, and they get a, a chance to headline the show at the end of each month. But they're working on a set of skills and getting to host and do a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have a regular programming sort of opportunity for any of us as comics. Yeah, yeah, it's great. How long have you been doing stand-up in total at this point? Do you keep track anymore? Uh, I believe it's seven years. Okay. And might what, be coming up on eight early next year. Nice. What was the impetus to get you started? I had actually done a handful of mics uh, prior to bef- like actually starting. And then I had gone to uh, community college. And the first semester, I was like, oh, you have to take a public speaking course. I'm going to do that right now because it sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's good that it sounds fun. Most people hate talking. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, I get to, you know stand there and people have to listen to me for a while so yeah i'm gonna take this class and i just made all of my speeches funny i was just you know goofing off and putting in jokes yeah and i'm like oh i'm like i should you know i should go give stand-up a shot again and i actually like talked about it in that class and like talked to you know the instructor about it and he actually came out to my first mic at the moose very cool yeah that was really that was really neat (laughs) You like show up with your teacher and you're like, all right, well, this is my act. This is what I'm going to do. With you being out in Beaver, how difficult is it to kind of utilize the mics? When you first started, were you able to get out a good amount or has it always been a little bit of a challenge to get out on weeknights? 
Oh, it sucks. Yeah. It's uh, it's about an hour drive. Uh, I'm actually looking to move into the city early next year. Nice. I know we yeah. would love to have you. I've got to do it. For a lot of the younger comics, you're like this like Paul Bunyan character for them, I'm sure, because they just hear all these stories of people who get to work with you or know you from hanging out and doing comedy for a while in town. And they're like, oh, that Tim Ross. And then like they finally get to see you and watch your act and, and get to meet you. But it'll be nice to have somebody like you in our lives on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean, if they if they hang out on the weekends, they'll usually find me drunk somewhere. True. So. <laughs> at Hambones or whatnot. Just yeah. <laughs> or at an after-party shirtless. Yeah, you are, uh, you've been known to, uh, to take over the internet recently, over the last year, with a lot of uh, topless pics. I know the, the uh, Loaded Deck show ended with a, a full cast of characters i don't know if you call it a dais when you have that many comics on stage <laughs> yeah, at once. Yeah. but everyone yeah, that works i think everyone took off their tops for your fin- final card of the night is that yeah. how you like to you like to end all shows with male nudity uh i, I would like to but i don't get a chance to as often as i would <laughs> <laughs> how long had you been doing comedy before race to the coffin kind of came to be and you joined forces with john and shannon and alex and jesse God, that was so long ago. Um, actually, just in my like Facebook memories, got a thing from like six years ago for the second Nothing Sacred show. Nice, okay. <clears throat> Which w- the the first one was a show that Aaron Kleiber put together with all of us, and well, it was the four of us and Robert X, and then Jesse Irvin ended up taking Robert's spot when he yeah, went to Philly. When he moved to Philly, but uh. Geez, maybe a year and a half, two years. I mean, really, really young into stand-up when we decided to do that. Now, at least I've had you're the fifth and final member of the coffin to uh, to join the podcast. So it's not because you know I don't want you here. <laughs> I want you to know that. But they've all said that at least in that initial period when the group kind of first came to be, or in your in your early, you hit it the biggest, the fastest. That you were the one that got the most bookings. That people kind of. Through, like not threw themselves at you, but you were the star of the team. I don't know if you feel that way, but at least the the other members of the coffin have spoken very highly of your prowess in that initial period. I I, I appreciate that. That's good to hear. I think it was uh, a lot of it was an accessibility issue, um, because you know in that time when we had started doing it, uh, Stapula had won that contest, the Gildas contest, yeah. and you know there were a lot of people talking about Alex. <clears throat> but at the time uh, that he had this sort of act that, you know, you, you weren't going to put in a feature spot in a VFW fair, or even like, you know, most club headliners would have had a hard time following the act that Alex was doing at the time. Yeah. You like, like when the show goes awry, you still have to spend your first few minutes commenting on what just happened <laughs> to reset expectations sometimes. See, I think that maybe I was the one getting booked um, the most frequently, but I think that, you know, at those shows, people were like, oh, yeah, Tim's good. Alex is the funniest. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how they generally the shows went. Yeah. How has your act kind of evolved and changed over time with kind of that initial? Obviously, we all have that kind of rush to write a bunch of comedy when we first start Mm -hmm. and you build out an act and you get it to a place where you're comfortable. How do you try to kind of change jokes up change the order how do you feel about your kind of club or vfw set at this point uh i think a lot of it is just getting more comfortable on stage getting to a point where like (coughs) excuse me 
the uh, had a bit of a cough. Sorry if I'm wheezing a bit. <laughs> it happens, man. Don't worry. They're, uh, they're going to listen to it. <laughs> they're going to get real used to it for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Nice. Well, they'll they'll survive. An hour. We'll do, the beautiful bombshells. We're going to full 60. <laughs> uh, at any rate. <coughs> Sorry. I, I need to Official oh. pizza sponsor of the podcast, <laughs> Driftwood Oven. Congratulations on being one of Bon Appetit's top 50 new restaurants this year. Available right here in beautiful Lawrenceville. Justin Vetter and Neil Blazin's Driftwood Oven, the official pizza sponsor of. It's nice to see he's working. That pizza is incredible. It's so good. I had it during the festival. And now, not that I didn't love it when they were a food truck kind of focused, but now that they're indoors and I can be warm while I eat it. Yeah, yeah. It is a nice improvement. I actually got to host that show during the festival, mm-hmm. the, midnight, the midnight show over there. And it was very cool to get to uh, be the first kind of person to emcee that show and then get to feature all of the different comedians that came through. We just announced that Todd Barry is going to be the headliner for next March's fifth, no, fourth edition of the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival. Yeah, I'm excited. It's always, uh, that festival's a lot of fun. It's a blast, and it's been nice to have comics that I've met during that weekend either come on the podcast then or when they come through town, get to have, like, Caitlin McPhee join the podcast when she was just back recently. It's nice to be able to uh, have a variety of people that see Pittsburgh as a destination that they want to see mm-hmm. when they're on tour. She was uh, she was there at the Driftwood show, and we were eating the pizza, and she, she handed me her slice. She was like, do you want this? This is too spicy. And I was like, that is the whitest thing I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> this pizza is too spicy. It's plain cheese pizza. <laughs> yeah. It's too spicy. <clears throat> I know you've got a tour coming up with... Uh, Local favorite, Paige Palesnak. You two are going on a, a quick run. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a little weekend tour through Ohio and Michigan. Nice. Going up to uh, do Louis Michaels' house show. Yeah, he was on the uh, the birthday edition of your mm-hmm. Loaded Deck as well. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, Louis D. Michael was on the Thursday night show with me during the festival at Arcade, and I followed him. Oh, I nice. had a blast talking to him. And then Diego I had met a couple times. It's another Michigan comic. Yeah, Diego's great. He eats a lot of beans. He's a bean guy. He just eats them in the car. <laughs> He's vegan, isn't he? I think I saw that he like prepacked his food for the weekend. Uh, I didn't even run. know that. I thought he just liked to eat cans He's of beans. Just a bean guy. You yeah, know? we were at John's and he just un- t- took the top off of a can of beans and started eating them with a spoon right out of the can. That's a that's a that's a Paul Bunyan move. That's a lumberjack sort of a. It's, gonna it's heat revolting. This. <laughs> it's revolting. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm sure at no point either of us has ever done any questionable food moves. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I did last night. Yeah. <laughs> we were playing that Red Dead Redemption late. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had a few drinks. Have a few beverages. And I'm pretty sure I put a slice of salami on a pizza Lunchable. There you go. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you got a little bread, you got a little cheese, throw it on there. This is what podcasts are for, right? Airing your shame. Yeah. <laughs> get that out there, baby. <laughs> We have been doing a segment on this show for a little while now called Always Improving, sponsored by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. But I ask my guests each week, what's the one thing that you think we could do to improve the human experience on Earth for everybody? And I know that's a big question, um, but there are lots of people who don't have the same opportunities that you and I do. There are lots of people who are struggling in different ways. And if there was one thing you think you could do to help your fellow human being, what do you think that would be? Oh, Jesus, that is a loaded question. I don't even... 
I don't even know how to respond to that. Automation. <laughs> Automation is your answer. Uh, uh, automate jobs and uh, then give a uh, universal income. I want the robots to do the work and then everyone have uh, the ability to create art. <laughs> you think everybody should be creating art? No, I mean, just the people who want to. Other people can, you know, do whatever they want. Give them the opportunity to... If they want to build houses. Have the time to, to focus on whatever it is they want to do and let most jobs be automated. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a different answer than I normally get. Yeah, I didn't know what to say, and then I just <laughs> thought of robots, so... <laughs> there was not a lot of thought put into this. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know it was coming. Always improving. Brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. They are restoring hope and recovering lives. Did you know there are many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab, either with or without insurance? If you or someone you know needs help or assistance, please don't hesitate to reach out to greenbriar.net or 1-800-637-HOPE. Greenbrier Treatment Center, Western Pennsylvania's place to go if you are in need of some assistance in quitting your vices. I haven't had their pizza, but I'm sure it's great. <laughs> we have two sponsors. We've got pizza and we've got rehab. Those are pretty much, if you're in the arts, probably something you're going to need to utilize at some pizza point. Pizza and rehab. Yeah. <laughs> With as much as you utilize social media to talk about the issues of the world, I'm a little surprised you didn't go that route with how we could uh, improve the experience for human beings. I think universal income plays a, a yeah. role in that, certainly. Yeah, I don't... Uh, there's just so many things that I couldn't, like... Instead of, like, coming up with a cohesive, like, sensible answer, I was like, there's so many problems that I can't pinpoint one thing and just be like, go with that. Yeah. So I said, fuck it, robots. Robots it is. <laughs> Have robots make the hamburgers. Just food jobs you want automated, or you want... Oh, they can make clothes, too. Oh, that's true. Can they sell clothes? I guess we don't need salespeople. I mean, how many jobs are we looking to replace here, ultimately? Yeah, nobody goes to the mall anymore. Everyone buys it on Amazon. Man, that's tough. I think uh, we just turn the malls into amusement parks, or like a festival sort of space. What would you do with all these... Uh, that's a lot of real estate to, to just flatten. We're going to plant trees, Tim? <laughs> uh, I have no idea what to do with it. I just know people aren't going to the malls anymore. Malls are pretty much ghost towns these days. Yeah. What's um, what's going on out in Beaver in general? I know they've got a mall out there. How how invested in uh, the area are you, other than trying to get out of it now? Oh, uh, I mean, I just kind of live there. I actually worked at that mall for like a year. It's It sucks. No one goes there. <laughs> Not even for Santa? Not even this month? Uh, they do go there for Santa. They the the biggest day of the year for that mall is uh, take your pet to see Santa Day. They have a pet photos with Santa Day. Mm-hmm. So if you ever want to see a line that stretches out of the door and is made entirely of white people, <laughs> go to take your pet to Santa Day. I, you know, people. I just got two cats this year. I get it. I get being attached to your animal. I can't imagine my cats want to go sit on a stranger's lap and take a photograph, though. Someone brought a goat. A pet goat? A pet goat. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I, I live in Frick Park or right near it in Swissvale, and I see a guy who walks his two pigs on a regular basis. 
So it's not that crazy to me. I went to high school with a couple girls in Ohio who had llamas. So I think having a pet goat is fine. Bringing it to the Bringing mall is where Santa. you draw the line. <laughs> You're like, listen, Santa doesn't want your pet goat. What is a goat going to ask for? What I mean, what is a dog going to ask for, ultimately? I don't know. The beef jerky stuff? The <laughs> yeah. bacon strips? Yeah, yeah, pepperoni? Yeah, yeah. The goat's just dead. They just want tin cans to eat. That's true. I mean, Santa has tin cans lying around. If he knows Louie, he knows where to get them. Plenty. He, the, but Diego. the goat doesn't even need to talk to Santa. They just go to a recycling plant. Take your goat to the recycling plant. Take your goat to the recycling plant. That is our always improving new <laughs> advice. <laughs> Just feed goats to the recycle. That's how you recycle stuff. Feed it to the animals. Tim, how do you change up your act from tonight, like in the city, versus when you're out there in Beaver, in Johnstown, in Fox Chapel, outside of the immediate area? I think that there's <clears throat> there's a, there's a core of my act that you know remains the same in either place. I think there's there's not really there's not stuff that I add for the VFW stuff. There's just stuff I omit. Okay, <laughs> like this reference is too young. Yeah, I'm gonna this- like a, the hip hop jokes stuff like that. The, the weirder stuff, I'm you know, is something that I'm gonna do in a place like Burning Bridges. Yeah, you know, in a place like Unplanned or Arcade. Where you can kind of uh, take more risks and people will come on board with you, whereas you know the the fire hall shows it's mostly people who are, you know, upwards of forty, older than you. Like that's I think that's the barometer is is are the is the majority of the audience older than I am? Do I need to play to that sensibility of where my parents are? Or mm-hmm. yeah, so I mean that's that's mostly just you know the more accessible stuff is going to happen there. It's uh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those shows are a lot of fun, but they're not shows where you take a lot of chances. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can play around in the crowd and have fun with it and kind of, you know, go off the wall a bit there, but you can't dip into weirder and, like, more esoteric stuff in front of that sort of audience like you can, you know, in a a room of, like, you know, 40 young people who are going to get, like, a Tolstoy reference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you definitely want to make sure that you're targeting the type of audience members that are there. Do you have any advice for crowd work as far as what's worked well for you to connect with audiences, either in those situations outside of the city or here in town? I think the the thing I learned most about crowd work was from watching Ed Bailey, a comic in the city. Yeah, Ed's been Uh, on the podcast. Ed is uh, great at crowd work. And I think the most important thing that he does is he's very patient. Like, he will just have the conversation. I, I feel like when I first started doing crowd work and what I see a lot of people do when they are, like, just starting in crowd work <coughs> is they will ask a question and then just immediately off the jump be trying to find a punchline and probably go for something that was less funny than what they would have come up with had they just been patient and been in the flow of the conversation. Like... You, you got to have the confidence that, that this is what Ed is really good at and being patient because he knows that it's going to pay off. He's very comfortable to wait in the pocket yeah, and, and sit there and he'll be genuinely interested in what they're saying enough to get to where he wants to go. Mm-hmm. It's be- I, I see, You see a lot of young comics who don't really have an exit strategy either. 
where they'll mm-hmm. they'll end up in an awkward like nonsensical conversation with an audience member and not know where they planned to take it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like you still have to have a goal in setting up to something else or have a quick one-liner to reset or get into your next thing. I will say uh as as a sidebar, the the character that I do Jackknife Taylor. It's uh for the people listening, it's a drunk truck driver who I put on a safety vest and and that's the only thing I wear on my upper body. I'm yeah. just shirtless with a safety <laughs> vest. And he's very brash and loud. And it is so much fun to do crowd work as Jackknife. Oh, sure. Uh, because you're, you can say just whatever. And because the character is like built around exuding this like confidence and unshakability, you can just go at people and just like, and do things that I wouldn't get away with in, in my act. As you know Tim, I mean? yeah, yeah, people would look at you like you're the biggest dick in town. Yeah. Oh, fuck that guy. But Jackknife, everybody's excited. Because mm-hmm. once you see it, and the joke builds to a place where you you feel like you're comfortable to know what's coming, it's a lot easier once people are on board mm-hmm. to continue to push it as far as you can. Oh, yeah. And they, they recognize that it's silly and that that's the character. And, yeah. You know. Yeah, actually, you were talking about Facebook memories. I think it's just over a year ago, Jackknife did the show I was running here, uh, The Home Club, with Will Ness oh, and yeah. Launch Me Grumble Kraut. So I saw those photos show up in my news feed maybe a week or two ago. Nice. That was a lot of fun. I love doing that show. I miss having uh, the opportunity to do a, wee- a monthly kind of variety show like that and mm-hmm. have people who have characters like you, um, Homiac with Electric Suede. Uh, Christina McNeese brought her uh, little drinks rapper character mm-hmm. to that show. But it's it's nice to have that sort of a venue to do it because there aren't a ton of spaces where people can do that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You want to do the My Top Ten? You want to get weird, Tim? What is the My Top Ten? So I went thrift shopping with Shannon Norman one month long mm-hmm. ago, and we bought this book, the My Top Ten. And sometimes on the program, I'll have my guest open the book, and each page has four lists on it. And then you get to pick which of the four lists you and I are going to come up with our top ten, the official, it's nice as he's working, top ten. And then you sign the book, and eventually one day when I've filled it all the way out, I'll auction it off for charity or something. We'll raise money for a good cause, or I'll frame it and give it to my you know, potential child. Who knows? <laughs> Hell yeah. Put it on the bookshelf. So if you wouldn't mind, I'll have you open the book, and then if you have decent penmanship, even if you don't, I'm still going to make you do the writing. It's my show. I make the rules. Oh, yeah. I have terrible penmanship, by the way. I actually, uh, my nephew had left a paper on the counter of, like, something he had written in school. And I, like, it caught my eyes. I walked past, and I was like, when did I write on that sort of paper? <laughs> I don't remember writing He's this He's in down. first grade. <laughs> he is young. <laughs> All right. Oh, there was one taken on this one, so we can't do that. Well, do, are any of the other three good, or do you want to flip to a new page? Uh, I only know uh, about two airports, so <laughs> can't do top ten best airports. Former airport employee. Once upon a time, throwing bags around, weren't you, on the comedy train? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. threw some bags around. Um, the people who uh, work with your luggage do not give a shit about your luggage. Oh, yeah. I learned that. <laughs> Uh, how about favorite cereals? Okay. Uh, if you want to take a peek at the page. That. I can get into favorite cereals for sure. Best jobs in the world, best Broadway shows, and best mysteries I wish were solved. 
Well, you know, the Florida recount in 2000, <laughs> number one. Um, but no, I like favorite cereals. I think that's the most fun from this list. Do you have a personal favorite? Do you eat cereal regularly? Let's start there. Yeah, you know what? I go on cereal binges. Am I supposed to sign up top here? Yeah, you'll go ahead and sign that for us. And it's uh, not great, folks. Uh, just so we're aware, Tim's signature, not great. Uh, but neither is mine. So I, I wanted to print it so you knew who it was. Yeah, that was <laughs> nice of you. I, I, there are many signatures in there I can't own. actual. That's the... Yeah, not, not the worst. I'll show you mine. This is great radio or <laughs> podcasting, you know. <laughs> Two men showing each other their <laughs> signatures, but this should be a video segment, I think. This is this is compelling. It looks like it says Sal. <laughs> yeah, there's a, sort of a G, and I gave up on the last name. Garrett just wrote Sal for anyone. Sal. <laughs> for anyone who's wondering who needed the visual, he just wrote the word Sal. <laughs> just a big S. <laughs> uh, so I forget about cereal. I forget that cereal exists for long stretches of time. And, and then, then I'll look at the top of the refrigerator and go, hey, and then eat a shitload of cereal in a week. You're like, this is my new favorite food. It's good late night. I'm in college. I used to do a lot of like late night cereals. I had a roommate who used to make cereal cocktails where he would mix two cereals together. Sort of oh, oh. an attitude. Not like actual. Yeah, <laughs> I thought there was booze, booze involved in the cereal. And like, I was very curious. You know, me. milk. Forget about it. <laughs> Bailey's on breakfast. Maybe just like a white Russian. In cereal. Yeah. I bet that'd be good with like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cocoa Pebbles. Cocoa Pebbles. A little White Russian. So what's your favorite cereal? Favorite cereal for me is probably... Honey Nut Cheerios? Hmm. I don't get cereal a ton. It's a little sweet. I don't need marshmallows and stuff like that. I do have some favorite marshmallow cereals, but that would be probably the one if I'm going to go to the store and buy cereal. That would be what I'd get. That is a grown-up choice. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very grown-up favorite. Mine is uh, Fruity Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles. Well, we'll jot them down. I like that as a one-two combo. Which one goes first? Fruity Pebbles, I think, is the better choice. And it's your list. So ultimately, if you want to throw mine much lower on the list, that is fine. If you think there are... Cereal's better than Honey Nut Cheerios. I won't. You know what? We're just, this you. is going to be a. a, a uh, it's a friendship list. Yes. Yeah. We could have done top ten, you know, WWE wrestlers from our youth. Or I pitched the We Got Next guys. I told Eric Weber they need to do a because uh, they do those fantasy drafts on their podcast that they should do the Survivor Series. You each have to pick your four favorite wrestlers and put together a team oh, for that. Oh, nice. So hopefully they do that segment one day, guys. Come on. The rest of you, if you didn't know, Eric didn't tell you, and I'm sorry. I should have <laughs> told, told Joey. I should have told Trey. That's my fault. I'm recording with them tomorrow. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're good dudes. I, um, Chris Grieva, too. I didn't name you. I, you know, might as well say all four names if I can. <laughs> Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms is great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and keep this a, list. That's a, that's a big go-to for me is Lucky Charms. I feel like Fruity Pebbles is the best, but it's not one I have all the time. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a challenge to eat it before it goes to shit. Yeah, I would typically even go Cocoa Pebbles over Fruity Pebbles. I do like Cocoa Pebbles. I like a chocolate. If I'm gonna go, I'm like I'm always gonna, I'm, I'm gonna always go. gonna pick chocolate 
or pe- chocolate and peanut butter over like fruit snacks and stuff like that. I just realized I used to be able to spell and I've become so reliant on autocorrect that I don't know how to spell the word cocoa. <laughs> um, you're close. And that's all you need for autocorrect. Exactly. <laughs> but at least you know how to use it, unlike some of the trolls out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I got to go Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch, a great choice, even if it cuts the roof of your mouth. Still a quality taste. I'll deal with the pain. Tricks? Like a Ooh, tricks, or is that a poor? I have not had tricks in a while. We're gonna we're gonna throw tricks on there. I don't know if that's a poor man's fruity pebbles attitude, but do you remember when it was fruit shapes? Yeah, it is no longer fruit shapes. They don't do that no more. It's just puffs. Eh. It's just colored puffs. Now, do you have a healthy cereal that you eat, or are you almost exclusively childhood wonder Saturday morning cereals? Uh, honestly, if if I'm eating like cereal for breakfast. Uh, it's probably just going to be regular Cheerios or or Kicks of all things. Kicks is good. Choosy Moms, right? But we're just going to go. We're going to oh, go with Cheerios. Cheerios is a good one. It's not Honey Nut, but it's still worth your time. Um, even in like junior high, high school, I remember getting into like healthier. Well, I got into one healthier cereal called Blueberry Morning because I like they had these like fake blueberries in there and they puffed up a little bit when you got them in the milk. But I remember also uh, they made this s'mores cereal for a while that my buddy's mom used to always have at their house, so I would go get that. Hmm. And I saw they brought it back recently. I need to go pick that up. Give me that s'mores, baby. I've never had that. Tim, we're going to hang out. We're going to eat some cereal sometime. That should be a thing. It's, it's, that's a YouTube series. <laughs> it's just breakfast, guys. Eating, Come hang out with us. Eating cereal in pajamas. We're just live streaming. <laughs> as much as you game, do you do you use Twitch at all? Are you social on there? Uh, you know what? I wanted to, but I don't have a camera. And pretty much if you want to stream, you're going to want to, even if you're streaming like a console, um, if you want the quality of the stream to be good, you almost have to be going through a PC. And I don't have a, like, adequate PC. But, uh, I mean, I would like to. I don't know if I can, um, could maintain just like playing for several hours and just like talking and trying to be entertaining. It's a lot. Half the time I'm playing, I'm just sitting there slouched, eyes glazed over, doing what I'm doing, or just, whoops, or just (laughs) drunk and shouting at children. (laughs) See, and I, I wish I played more in the internet era where you play your friends away or you play strangers, and I didn't really game outside of like, college really just like madden and ncaa football mm-hmm. and and it was it was bigger but it wasn't at the biggest like it is now where that's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the default is playing against other people instead of like the individual challenges mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of fun with it yeah i have like a group that you know we'll, we'll play with pretty consistently it's a lot of fun do you know any of their favorite cereals does that yeah. come up in the game? One of them is my sister. I game a lot with my sister. Nice. I've met her and at a handful have, of shows. I have no idea what her favorite cereal is. Well, you can ask her. I will. I'll text her right now. <laughs> we need your help. We're working <laughs> on it. She's like, I don't care. Does not matter to me. What other cereals even exist? I, uh... Out there in the universe. People are driving, listening to this. They're cursing and how mad they are we forgot their favorite cereal. That's my favorite part of the list is when... I hear, because nobody else really, Seneca Stone will comment on stuff. 
I'll obviously talk with Osha about what she thought of the episode, but it's rare that anybody reaches out. Whenever I throw this list segment in, if I forget something, that's when people feel like it's worth telling me that they heard the podcast. Well, like, just the entire time. They're like, Cinnamon Toast Crunch! You forgot the... Pe-. Which we did forget, which we talked about earlier, but let's throw Cinnamon Toast Crunch on there. And we need two I, more. I write too big, so I'm, I'm going to abbreviate the word cinnamon. People will know. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. Like a Wheaties, a Breakfast of Champions, or a, a Shredded Wheat? What are the, uh, the ones that I do not that are... like the Shredded Wheat. I do like the Wheaties. Okay. We're going we're gonna to go Wheaties. And I don't like Reese's Puffs. Not a Reese's Puffs. Good. No, and I like Reese's Cups. I love Reese's most things, but they're not great. They're I'm just... a big supporter of the Reese's <laughs> brand. Yeah. That but guy, not the cereal. That guy, Reese, he's got a lot of my money. Well, let's see. There is. We got a Fruit Loops. We got a mm, Fruit Loops. Yes. Yeah, Toucan Sam. It's a good mascot. We're gonna go Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops to close it. I love it. Now we're feeling good. And look at that! I even spelled it the way they spell it, which is spelling fruit incorrectly. Take that, and you said you didn't know how to spell. <laughs> F-R-O-O-T. Oh, yes. Fruit Loops. Oh, I always know how to spell. Brands. The, the oh, recap. Food. Fruity Pebbles, Honey Nut Cheerios, Lucky Charms, <coughs> Cocoa Pebbles, Captain Crunch, Tricks, Cheerios, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Wheaties, and Fruit Loops, the top 10 favorite cereals from Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. And Tim Ross, this week's guest on the podcast and if we didn't mention your favorite cereal, it's because you're bad at eating cereal. You are bad at eating cereal. Be better. Episode 133. Been doing this just over two and a half years since that fire hall show the week before we came. Wow, uh, that, was, that was a while ago, wasn't it? It was because the Drake album came out the last week of April. So it would have been April 2016, and then the podcast started the first week of May. Right. Oh, how the times go by. How do you feel like the scene has changed, not necessarily in the last two years, but in the seven years that you've been a part of comedy in Pittsburgh? How do you feel like the type of comics or the opportunities have shifted over that time? Uh, it's uh, It's been insane, honestly. I can't even imagine, like, you know, the perspective of the older guys I talked to that started before me. Because <clears throat> when I first came into it, you know, there was a couple mics throughout the week, but there was, you know, it was pretty much exclusively one mic a night yeah and uh the community was a lot smaller there was a lot less people doing it and uh i mean it was still it was still a really fun scene then there was still like you know plenty of shows but the way that it's grown has been insane like there's usually more than one mic a night there's tons of people producing shows all around town there's different you know, themed shows, different groups of people producing shows together. Like, you know, you mentioned that we got next guys. And um, <clears throat> just a lot of uh, younger people who are really, uh, really hungry to do it, which is which has been, uh, I think, good for me because there was there was a while there where I was dealing with some depression and I had gotten kind of complacent. And like I would just, you know, go do my act and it was more of a routine than anything you yeah. know i just like all right well I'll go here and i'll say these words whatever you know just i wasn't writing i wasn't trying to push myself harder on stage 
And then in just like being around like young, hungry comics who were like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to try to get this gig. I got to like push myself harder. I got to get better. I'm like, whoo, I got to, uh-huh. I got to get my ass in gear before, you know. You're going to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> complacency will certainly uh, set in at any point, I think, for a lot of us. But when you have that moment where you're like, oh, shit, there are people running behind me that want what I have. And I do think it's, you know, iron sharpens iron. So you see, you know, Amen, yeah. the scene growing and you see people getting better. And like, you know, you see all these comics now who are really, really good. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, if I want to, you know, be getting bookings and to be like doing work, I can't just rest on my laurels and be OK with where I'm at and what I've done. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, most certainly. With you being the last member of Race to the Coffin to come on the pod, I thought about it, and they've each, over the last four years now, each taken the time to record an album, put a lot of their early jokes down on paper. Do you think that's something you'd like to do at some point? To kind I'm, of uh, I'm recording an album in March. Awesome. All right. Nice. Mm-hmm. You already got the venue and everything? Uh, I'm doing a Comptra Theater. Awesome. I was able to do Day and Ed's Drinking Partner show up there maybe two months ago, three months ago. What a cool space that is. Oh, yeah, that's great. I've talked to Dom about it. I've talked to Ed and Day about it and everything, and we're getting the boat rolling on it. I figured it'd be a good spot uh, for me because, you know, I know a lot of people in the city. True. uh, And I know a lot of family and friends at home in Beaver County, and uh, Cranberry, where Comptra Theater is, is about a 30-minute trip for either. For either direction. So I figured that'd be a good meeting point to try and, you know, get some people to come and hang out with me and listen to me record an album and hopefully laugh at jokes that a lot of them have uh, have heard before. (laughs) Because that's the nature of an album recording. Yeah, ideally they're going to be jokes that uh, you've tested and you've worked at for a while. Um, when you talked about kind of just like that era where you felt like you were going through the motions, doing this, doing the act, but not maybe like enjoying it anymore. Um, at that point, are you pretty much locked into the order of the set and you don't vary it much? Or do you still try to at least or what helped you kind of break out of that? Even sometimes I will take my closer and throw it up at the beginning just to force myself to find something mm-hmm. to close on that's strong. Uh, I do think that. uh I mean, it was almost, it, it wasn't so much like just doing the act in the same way every time. It was like, I would still like go, you know, to a show, kind of like check out the crowd and like, you know, the whoever was on before me and try and like build the list off of that. I mean, it was mostly that I have the same closure at the end, which lately I've been closing on something different. Um, but I think it was just like, it was, I, I would still have fun on stage. Um, because you know, when, when it's going well and you're getting laughs, that's always going to feel good. That's always going to be fun. Isn't that nice? <laughs> but it was, I, I just got so lazy about doing the offstage work of like doing the writing and coming up with other stuff and like, and that sort of stuff that I was just like doing the same jokes over and over again. And where like, I would be about to get on stage and just be like sick with myself. Cause I'm like, I don't have anything new to bring to the stage. Yeah. And I'm like, why have I not been diligent about this? Like, this is frustrating. And you grow to hate the jokes, even if they're good. Even if, if even if the audience likes them, you resent that they like them because you're mad that you're not working harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much has depression played a role in... Because I think it's it's big for a lot of artists. 
how much does it affect your ability to produce and how have you found kind of the balance in still creating now that you're kind of working on it a little bit more? I, I think, I mean, the, the effect has been really uh, profound. I mean, it is something that, you know, there'll be nights where like I would have the opportunity to go to a mic and I just can't get myself out of the house. I, you know, anxiety plays a, a big part of it as well. Um, I have a lot of anxiety around driving. Like before we did this podcast, I was like, Hey, can I hitch a ride with you after and like come back and get my car later? Just cause the anxiety of driving and parking is just really frustrating to me. Once it's there. And that's tough, especially when you're so far outside of where the mics are. Mm-hmm. There's not much of a uh, mic scene out there other than you. I know Day, Bracey and Chris Scriva are Beaver County folk. Mm-hmm. But other than like, hey, Chris, can I catch a ride with you down to the city? Yeah, yeah. There's not a, a ton of ways. There's no public transit that's going to come get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, in my first like, the first maybe like six months to a year that I did comedy, I had a couple, you know, good friends that would hang out and they'd be free and they would just come out to the mics and hang out. Like they didn't perform. They would just drive out and hang out and chat and have a couple beers. And so I would be, it was able to get out consistently because of that. Sure. And then, you know, that uh, has an expiration date. (laughs) It's tough to continue to lean on that. Hey, how much do you want to see me do these jokes again? (laughs) Right. I'll buy you two beers. <laughs> and so eventually it just, uh, I, there were so many drives where I quit comedy on the way there or the way home where I was just like, like shaking, like I'm done. I'm done. I just, I can't. And then I get home and I'm like, Oh, that was a good set. I can't wait to get out again. <laughs> I mean, eventually that has been, that has kind of calmed down. Those like, ups and downs of not wanting to do it anymore to hang it up. Oh no. I mean, just the, the driving anxiety has, has been tempered. Like, I just kind of got used to it from doing it frequently. Yeah. But, like, when I first started, like, making the drive and driving in the city, because, you know, where I grew up, it's, you know, small town. Like, there's not quite as many uh, traffic situations, not as many cars, pedestrians, yeah. bicycles. You know, there's less to be done out there mm-hmm. or at least less going on in as tight of a space. Was it was it an issue when you were like sixteen and first driving, or was it something that happened maybe later in life? Uh, I think I think I was fine then. Uh, I think it was one of the jobs I worked at. I had a real bad panic attack while I was driving, and it really soured me on driving for a long time. Sure, because I'm like, there's no way to get out of that situation without like pulling over or whatever. So I would feel like I'm like trapped in the situation, which would, you know increase the anxiety like and then it would just be like a cycle yeah but you know eventually i just like i had to kind of push myself through it because you know i'm like this is what i do i gotta go do these jokes like yeah you have to find a way to get out there and do it and it's tough because especially early on it's anxious there's a lot of anxiety in just getting on stage even if you like public speaking you're still Mm -hmm. getting those jokes to a place where they work and you're testing them and you're twisting them and do you still record your set? Are you somebody who listens back to tape? How do you kind of work through that editing process on newer jokes? You know, I, I wish that I did. I do it every now and then when I remember, but most of the time I don't. And then I'll be driving home and I'm like, I had a really good tag tonight for this joke and I do not remember it. And that's really frustrating. Yeah. That's the biggest thing between now and March. I would definitely like recommend 
just trying mm-hmm. to get as much audio on yourself as you can. Because even if I have a gig coming up, I'll tape almost everything open mic wise, and then I'll be like, "That was a good one. That was a good one." And I'll listen to like the three or four showcases or open mics in the last few weeks, and I'm like, "That's what I'm excited to work on." Mm-hmm. Let me figure out my list for the night from that. For a contest like we're both in this evening for funniest person in Pittsburgh, allegedly. What type of a mindset do you take into a shorter set where it's only like six, seven minutes worth of jokes? Uh, a lot of shorter sets, I will take uh, longer bits that I have and just kind of directly pull the punchline, like punchlines out of it, like the quickest possible punchlines. Yeah. Just to get the hardest like hits quickly. Um, I think tonight it's. Uh, the judges are a lot of people who have uh, who have seen my jokes a lot of times. True. So I think I'm just going to do some different stuff that they maybe haven't seen before and just have fun with it. I actually am kind of going to disqualify myself because... You can't be I in can't, the next round. I, yeah, fair. I can't be in the next round. So I, I figure, you know, uh, if I approach it that way, then I don't have to be concerned with whether or not I would have moved on. Fair. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm not moving on. So, but, you know, if I had done it, um, straight up and tried to move on and then didn't move on, then I would have been lamenting that fact for a few days. <laughs> sure. If you put yourself in a position where you're like, well, I, I lost, but I did it on purpose, now you can reduce the stress of it didn't go well because. I mean, I'm not... Uh, not going to take a dive. No, I'm just going to be like, hey, guys, I can't move on next week. <laughs> Please don't advance me. <laughs> yeah. I got a show. <laughs> You feel prepared for we got next now that you and I have talked? Do you feel like this was a good practice podcast? Have you done many in your uh, uh, comedy I've, I've, I've only done a couple actually. Yeah, I always feel pressure to either be uh, funny or to be like Mark Maron. We're getting into it. We're exposing our vulnerabilities. Talk about all our <laughs> late night snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess I did just. Talk about depression and anxiety for 10 minutes. We did, yeah. It's okay. We got about 10 minutes to go. So anything we haven't gotten to yet you were hoping to chat about? Nothing I can think of specifically. Okay. If people uh, want to come to the show next weekend, uh, what are the details for where it is? What time? Uh, it is at Petrucci Brothers in New Brighton. It starts at 8 p.m. and the cover is $10. It's called Loaded Deck. Mm-hmm. It's a drinking game comedy show with a... Lineup of incredible comedians from all over the western Pennsylvania area. And uh, Paige is actually going to be... We haven't decided if she if she's going to do the referee spot, because Scriva can't make it. Oh, sure. Um, so we're, uh, we're still kind of in talks about if she's going to be a contestant or if she's going to be uh, a I referee. Wear the stripes. I do think... Uh, I do think she'd have a lot of fun with that. She's very boisterous. Yeah, I know that um, during the Burning Bridges Festival this past year, she was the uh, hot dog girl for Dustin Meadows' hot dog show Mm -hmm. and got to have a little bit of fun with that. So, yeah, she's got a a fun personality on her. How do you expect the tour to go with the two of you versus when you go out with a variety of the Race of the Coffin guys? Uh, uh, A lot nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, probably a, a, a lot more pleasant in um, not making fun of me every 35 seconds. Why are they so mean to you? Uh, I don't know. I, I think I bring a lot of it on myself, and I do kind of enjoy it. I've always had that personality where I like to be roasted. Yeah. So if you've got a good joke on me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. And then uh, when Alex and I go out, he just likes to frustrate me on purpose. 
Yeah, that's his. That's his game. And and do little things like uh, pour out your beer. Yes, yes, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's nice to have friends that we can tease and joke and have a good time with. And oh yeah, I mean I love Alex. Yeah, he's uh, he's incredible. I'm so happy that he got to do the Q and A with Yorma for the MacGruber show this week. Oh yeah, that's incredible. That's I was a, so happy for him. A dream come true that you know you would never imagine in the world that something like that could work out. Just because he's in town for his wife shooting the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have a tattoo from your film that you directed. <laughs> I literally, the, the tickets went on sale that day. The day that the tickets went on sale, I had taken a nap. And I woke up, and in the time that I had taken the nap, they had gone on sale and been sold out. Yeah, I think they went out like half an hour, 15 minutes, like gone. Oh, yeah. It's a cool theater. I like Row House a lot. Nice that they are able to do fun indie sort of stuff like that and mm-hmm. able to bring in names uh, when the opportunities come up. And they did, I remember Alex's web series, Hard Dentist, a couple years ago. I screened uh, Craig Quits' his day job there a few years ago when that movie had just come out. It's available on Amazon if you want to watch me act and have a mustache. Nice. Yeah. Do you ever want to do any uh, film stuff? Have you gotten the chance to do much sketch work in your uh, comedy career outside of stand-up? Uh, not a ton. I do want to. I am writing a series of sketches for jackknife taylor <laughs> which i think uh, i think could be a lot of fun yeah it's very it's uh, no web series eating cereal but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I've, i wrote a bunch of sketches that just never that are kind of like sitting there waiting just to find people to you know put together but i'm hoping that you know early next year when i move into the city it'll be easier to link up with people and get things like that done. Yeah, for sure. Whereas in like Beaver County with the travel and it's like just too hard to put together something like that. When you move into the city, do you feel like you'll be somebody who utilizes either the bus or Ubers? How do you feel like you'd get around without having to drive? Uh, I mean, I think I'm just going to have to drive. Yeah. And I think that like actually being here and the drive not being as long, um, that that'll make it a bit easier for me. Sure. And I mean, I'm sure it's the sort of thing where the, the more I do it and the longer I've been doing it, it'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll adjust. One, go ahead. I mean, it's, it, it's the prospect of it is very scary in my mind. I keep kind of like thinking about when I'm going to like try and make the move. And I'm like, well, you know, I was thinking February, but it's going to be cold and snowy still. So maybe I'll push to March. Like, like it's one of those things. Like sometimes it's just got to be done. Yeah. It's not a fun time of year to move, though. Nobody wants to be. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I think I'm just gonna wait help, till spring, helping their buddies in the. Well, we've talked you back now, so we'll tape the album in March, and then maybe April, May, we'll get a little more Tim Ross in our city. Yes. One thing that I am very impressed with is the patience and the fun that you have with engaging people on the internet. Because obviously, being outside of the city. You have to find a way to kind of connect and still be funny and, and, and utilize the internet. But you are very active on social media, talking about the issues, talking about what's going on in the world. Um, and you have engaging conversations with people that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. How has that been in the last two years, I guess, since Donald Trump became president and in the lead up to that election? And what kind of pushed you to become more active in general in you know politics? Uh, I, I feel like it's always been something I've had conversations about and, you know, something I've always talked about 
I think it was actually um, when everything was going on in Ferguson, uh, I started putting on my Facebook like every day. I think it was like for like a month. I just wouldn't make any comments or anything. I would type the words Black Lives Matter, post it, and then just step back. And let people say what they wanted to say. And I, you know, there were members of my extended family that deleted me off of Facebook. And like, especially after that, when I started really like talking about it and having these conversations, there were people who got like really frustrated with me and like, you know, would delete me on Facebook or just try and like come and debate me and like have these conversations. And then honestly, it's, uh, it's been something that's been kind of detrimental to my standup. Because I have the tendency to uh, get really fixated on things. Sure. Like Red Dead Redemption 2 just came out. And for the past two weeks, I have like barely contacted people. <laughs> I just have been fixated on being a cowboy. I get it. I watch Westworld. Yeah. But so I, I got to a point where I was just like commenting on all these like local news like things and having these long drawn out arguments. And there's nothing beneficial that comes out of that. No. It's just people shouting at each other. And I I had to like make a commitment to myself to stop doing that. Like see the comments, ignore them as best as you can, and don't comment yourself. Like I had to pull back. And I've been trying to pull back a little bit on social media because I know I, ha- I have a tendency to be impulsive. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you look at me, you can tell impulse control is not a strength. <laughs> And uh, so I would just like, I'll look in my memories and get annoyed with myself. Like, why did I feel compelled to write that down? Because I'll just like, it'll be like memories, 49. <laughs> and it's just like two years ago, you made 25 posts that say almost the same thing over <laughs> and over again. Like, and I'm like, this is just erratic behavior. I just, I don't. I could have edited this once and then put it yeah. out and been more articulate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I see, you know, this, uh, this, uh, I'm certain there's a plenty of people who have unfollowed me on social media because sure. of, of all this. But, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it is what it is. I, I post like a fucking maniac. <laughs> well, you're standing up for things that are important, though. And there's a lot of people, both in western Pennsylvania and all across our country, who, for whatever reason, don't want to see things the way that you and I kind of look at the world and go, that's pretty obvious that mm-hmm. we, could, we could fix these things if we wanted to. We yeah. could work together and, and be better people. I think, uh, I, I mean, I think the things I talk about, I am uh, very principled. I think that, like, these are things that I believe, and I'm glad that I'm being vocal about it. I just uh, am working on ways to make my behavior less erratic. Sure. To, to not be obsessive about it and, like, to not have those days where I post 47 times. <laughs> You're like, that's a lot. <laughs> I saw you switched your uh, your background photo from pizza to chicken today. You know, there's times you just got to be honest with yourself and your community. <laughs> like, I like pizza. I like driftwood oven pizza. Yes, yes. But I like wings. Wings are my favorite food. And I feel, felt like it was time that the charade had to end. You had to tell the world. Because, you know, everybody knows me as the guy. That's, that's pizza guy. Hey, pizza comic. Pizza's his favorite food. And I'm like, you know, it's chicken wings. <laughs> well, you know... You're not going to do anything to help yourself with the vegan or vegetarian community, but were they really coming to the Tim Roth shows anyway? I, th- I think they still like me. They still do. Well, you stand up for a lot of stuff they, they're <laughs> passionate about, so hopefully. Just not the animals thing. No, just not the animals thing. 
Uh, Tim, if people do want to follow you on social media, what's the easiest way to uh, to find you out there? Uh, Twitter is my favorite. That's at Tim Ross Comedy. Um, I have a Facebook page uh, that I've never I never updated. I haven't updated in years. But just go to my personal Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Time Ross. Time Ross. Mm-hmm. Nice. Tim Ross was taken, and that's an old message board nickname. <laughs> I like it. Okay. My original um, aim chat was GST Raven for my favorite uh, pro wrestler. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> if you want to follow me, I am at Dropping Bombs, B-A-U-M-S, on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast, Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working on iTunes, Stitcher, Laughable, and UnplannedComedy.com, where it is hosted. If you're looking for anything older than 100 episodes ago from the original 33 weeks, lots of good stuff in there. There's been a blast to get to know each of the members of the race to the coffin on the podcast. So I figured if anybody didn't have the chance to listen, I would get you the episode numbers. Jesse Irvin was way back at number 14. John Dick Winters, episodes 23 and 47. Shannon Norman, 62, 94. Alex Tapula, 57. And if you want to go all the way back, we have a episode where Shannon, Alex, myself, and Kevin O'Brien play a game of Monopoly. Mm-hmm. It is not fun to listen to. <laughs> but it's out there, and it's episode seven. As a big thank you to uh, anyone who's tuned into the show, please know that we love you, we care about you, we hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving next week. We are working on our top 10 clips for the week of Christmas, as we've done the last two years. So we will have another clip show for the favorite moments. If you have any favorite moments, go ahead and let us know in your review of the podcast, which you can do on iTunes. You can catch me visiting my family next week. Maybe I'll find an open mic in Dayton, Ohio, and tell some jokes back there. Um Tim, that's it. That's the whole show. Thank you for having me. That's neat. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collective.